Hi, welcome to Story Motor. I'm Vern with another wonderful story. Today's story is entitled Sister Rosetta Thorpe, Godmother of Rock and Roll. Long before inspiring and influencing iconic artists like Elvis Presley, Chuck Berry, Little Richard, Johnny Cash, and others, long before the rock and roll genre, there was Sister Rosetta Thorpe singing her gospel music with a crossover rock and roll sound. Who is this person? Allow me to share a precious moment with you. About four o'clock in the morning, long time ago, Mr. Harry's voice, a black DJ, came across the radio at the only time that we could hear black artists. I woke up to my mother humming and singing along with Sister Rosetta Thorpe on the radio. That is why I'm familiar with her. Just in case you are not familiar with her, please allow me to introduce you to Sister Rosetta Thorpe. They call me a child prodigy. When I was four years old, I listened to my mother play her mandolin. My mother was a devoted, traditional, stumped-down Christian woman and an evangelist. She had no fear. She often sat outside the church doors and sang and played her music, trying to convert people to come to church. She taught me how to play the mandolin. And by the time I was six years old, I had mastered the mandolin and the guitar. Now the mandolin looks like a guitar, but it has a shorter neck and the body is rounder than a guitar. Since it was lightweight and compact, holding it and strumming it was easier for me as a child. From an early age, I learned the art of showmanship. My entire body was full of energy from my head to my toes. I rocked from side to side, hunched my shoulders to the music, and I did the duck walk, expressing real feelings for my gut, real soul, and spirituality in my music. If you think for a minute, you'll probably see a present-day rock and roll icon doing the same thing. My fingers popped on the strings of the mandolin like corn in a kettle. My picking hand lifted off the strings with my arms making a circular windmill motion, which was innovative and risque during those times. My music covered the congregation like the summer shower washing the dirt off the road. My music flowed through me, inspiring them until they rejoiced. Moving on from the mandolin to the piano, I would rejoice and cut a dance step or two myself. As I sang, I held my guitar firmly and my pick firmly in my hand and I looked up as if I saw God and was talking directly to him. Everything I learned about entertainment and music came from my evangelist mother and the sanctified church. 
as far as I can remember, way back to Cotton Plant, Arkansas, where I was born in 1915, music was my life. Mom and I were hard-working people with determination and perseverance. Humble people from rural roots have dreams, too. We aim to make our dreams a reality when we join the Great Migration, traveling north, performing city to city, church to church, and singing here and there. We landed in Chicago. At age 19, I married minister Tommy Thorpe. He was a minister, yeah, real, real old-fashioned. He'd preach and I'd sing. The gossip was that he was using me to make a living, that I was his meal ticket. But after only a few years, I took my talent and my mom and we moved to New York. I kept my last name as my stage name. So many likes, so many nightclubs, and so much to notice there in New York. At the famous Cotton Club, my talent was quickly noticed. Yes, I flipped and began singing both gospel and secular music. Singing in the club on Saturday night and in the church on Sunday morning. Oh yeah, it brought criticism and ostracism. What's wrong with her, they said. Why is she singing that kind of music? She done lost her mind. Eventually, I signed a contract and offers poured in. I was on my way. My first hit was Rock Me, which is a church song. But people complained that the lyrics sounded more like a invitation, but not the one to the altar. More gossip blew. The nerve of her changing that song died away. I want a tall skinny papa. I want a tall skinny papa. I want a tall skinny papa. That's all I ever really need. People could not interpret that as spiritual. Oh yes, eyes rolled and criticism flew. Girl, what are you doing with that music? But I had a contract, and that explained it for me. Taking my talent on the road, I successfully teamed up with many greats like Duke Ellington, Cab Calloway, the Dixie Hummingbirds, and the Jordanaires. Yes, the Jordanaires are white gospel group. The Jordanaires sang backup for Elvis Presley later. Segregation kept blacks and whites from performing together, so it was unheard of when I teamed up with the Jordanaires. I saw race as irrelevant. I tried to bridge the gap with my music. We were well received everywhere we went. My audiences were average working people that I made a personal connection with. I had a good outgoing personality and I talked to my audience and got them laughing. They felt inspired by my music as if they had helped me write the songs. When I came to town, crowds lined up three to four times around the block because 
They knew that they would get a good show and be inspired. I made some trailblazing moves during those times. I traveled around the country on a big old bus, customized bus, with my name splattered across the sides of it. It was customized with beds in there and, and the vanity. During those times, we could not stay in many of the nicer hotels and had to sleep, so, so we slept on the bus. We had a white bus driver who helped us out with food and such. Sometimes people would take a chance and, and help us. They would tell us to come around to the back of the restaurant to get our food, but we still had to take it back to the bus to eat it. Often when the Jordanaires went to eat, they ordered the same for me and brought it to me on the bus. Everything was so segregated, but that is how we made do on the road. Teaming up with Marie Knight was a very successful union, but not without gossip and criticism. Two women on the road alone without accompaniment was risky and unheard of. We both could play several instruments. We did not need accompaniment, but the gossip continued. Unfortunately, our union was dissolved when Marie lost her mom and children in a fire. My solo career included a staged marriage with the third husband on a baseball field. It was at a baseball stadium in Washington, D.C. There were about 25,000 fans in attendance coming from all over the world. It was a storybook-like wedding with me as Cinderella and my husband as Prince Charming. I stood there on the picture mound of the stadium with my family and friends standing all around me. The Rosette, my backup singers, were there, and Marie Knight was there. Afterwards, I had a concert in my wedding dress. It concluded with fireworks and it ended almost at midnight. The entire wedding and performance was recorded, and later I released it, and it was a top-selling album. Of course, my husband took over as my manager right away, and of course, the gossip began right away. He is living off of her talent, and everybody knows he is two-timing her. Well, there came a time when the oldest acts were dying out. I began to fade off the scene because I was not keeping up with the times. I teamed up with jazz trombonist Chris Barber in Manchester, England, in front of students on a train platform. Performing Didn't It Rain? Didn't it rain, children? Rain, oh yes. Didn't it? Yes, didn't it? You know it did, didn't it? Oh, oh, yes, how it rained. I stole the show with that song, and my star came back. My magic was there. It became the highlight of my career. While I was in Europe, my mother passed. We were so very close, and it was very hard on me. I became depressed. 
It was also during that time when I was diagnosed and developed complications of diabetes. Friends encouraged me to see a doctor, but I would not. Eventually, my leg had to be amputated. Although I thought I would go back on the road, my scheduled recordings and performances were curtailed by other medical conditions. But it didn't stop me. It might have slowed me down a little because I still performed. I continued to perform until my death on October 9, 1973. Who is this person? Sister Rosetta Thorpe was a pioneer and a larger-than-life gospel singer who contributed to music history by single-handedly defining and shaping the future of rock and roll. All at the same time, she proved that women could play the guitar just as good, if not better, than any man. But when you think of rock and roll, an image of a black woman with an electric guitar probably does not come to mind. Back then, not many women played the guitar, not like she did. Her picking movement and rock and roll sound influenced so many artists. Those artists who have been named as the pioneers, no doubt they were influenced by Sister Rosetta Thorpe. Not only that, but her influences was also felt beyond the United States to places like England and Europe as well. She was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 2018. She is called the Godmother of Rock and Roll. Now, that title by itself cemented her rightful place in history. She will forever be remembered as the true godmother of rock and roll. In my opinion, she is someone who we should not only know, but celebrate. The song I heard my mom hum and sing early in the morning was, Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on and let me stand. I am tired. You worked so hard. I am worn. Oh, yes. But I have to go on anyhow. Through the storm, through the rain, lead me on just the same. Take my hand, precious Lord, and lead me on. Sister Rosetta Thorpe, godmother of rock and roll. Thanks for stopping by and listening to another wonderful story. I hope you enjoyed it. Come back and visit anytime. I'll be happy to have you. Goodbye for now.